and we back in this thing like we left some. Welcome back, y'all, to this week's episode of I Got a Story to Tell. Thank y'all for joining me again for another one. Another one. Um, I hope y'all have been enjoying the music re- recommendations I've been given. Um, this week's album of the week is... Hmm, I like to think is in contention for hip hop album of the year. Um, it's in contention with Killer Mike's album Michael. I think for hip hop album of the year. Um, this is an uh, a artist that I'm a huge fan of. This artist is in my top five all time as far as hip hop artists. And um, we're gonna see what y'all think about it. So this week's album is called uh, Director's Cut Four by Ransom and Nicholas Craven. Nicholas Craven being a producer from Canada. Um, Dope soul samples and shit like that. Uh, Ransom being uh, from New Jersey. Um, I was a fan of his back in the day when he was with a group called The A-Team. We had to go do a little little vacation as we call it. Um, Did did some time, served his time, um, but came out with a vengeance. And he has some dope albums. Um, all of the director's cut series are pretty dope. All his work is pretty dope. Um, so if you get a chance, check it out. Uh, it's called Director's Cut 4. So, this week's episode is a mixture of a story slash life type shit. Um, therapy and therapeutic for me. Uh, as I told y'all, you know, early on when I started the podcast, this is like therapy just to, to get out my thoughts and stories. Uh, so I hope y'all enjoyed this week's episode. With that being said, y'all, let's get to the story. I got a story to tell. Let's go. This story takes place in either 84 or 85. I can't remember exactly. Um, I just know I'm, you know, six or seven years old at the time. We're living in the Fay apartment. Uh, well, hold on. Let me let me let me do this. So y'all know I usually give a funny story from time to time. Y'all know me. I'll give a serious story. Um. Today's episode is more 
about growth, about, you know, change, about not holding on to shit, um, letting certain shit from your past go. And I want to thank my brother, Mac, uh, for that. Um, and he and I talk all the time or whatever. And one of the things that, you know, we talked about a while ago was things from the past letting it go so that's what today's episode is about um and y'all know this is therapeutic for me i even said earlier before i started the podcast well when i started the podcast um that earlier you know like around episode one or two that this is therapeutic for me so today we're gonna talk about some shit like that so back to the story now i need to go back before 84 85 a little bit to get to where we're going so let's get to this thing so when i was probably about three i'm gonna say three years old my mother would take me and my brother to this lady named miss audrey who would babysit us and this lady was super mean and she lived in moosewood moosewood was another project down from the fair apartments where i lived so um, my mother went to work she would drop us off there and Miss Audrey was like super mean, especially mean to my brother. Um, she was the type, you know, always yelling, you know, screaming and shit. Um, she had this rule of you couldn't drink anything while you're eating your food. You had to eat all your food, then drink. But I just remember her being like super mean to my brother. And I never forgot that. And it stuck with me. Right. I'm the type. If I love somebody. I can't see anybody be mean to him, you know, do harm to him, that, that, that bothers me. Right. So Miss Audrey had, uh, a son named George and she had, uh, I believe two daughters. Yeah. Two daughters. They were twins. Right. Um, and so we would go down there and I hated going down there. My brother hated going down there. She would always scream and yell and all that shit. And I never forgot how mean she was to my brother, especially. Now, back to 84, 85. As I told y'all in the episode, which was probably my toughest episode to do when I talked about my mother, the episode entitled, I was just trying to watch In the Heat of the Night. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Um, around that time, my mother was sick, diagnosed with pulmonary sarcoidosis. And also at that time, she was taking a bunch of medication. And those close to her knew she was sick, knew she was on a bunch of meds. So, like I said, it's 84, 85, somewhere around there. We're living on President Drive in the Fay Apartments. Um, before that, we lived on Nottingham. And so, like any regular day, we go throughout the day doing whatever it is we do. We go to sleep that night. Everybody goes to sleep. Normal night, like I said. In the middle of the night, my mother wakes up. She hears something. So my mother wakes up because she hears something. And when she opens her eyes and sits up, there's a man standing over her bed. And he's going through her purse, which is on the nightstand. And her first response, what are you doing? He gets spooked and he runs in the bathroom. The bathroom's right outside my mother's door. He's in my mother's uh, or in the bathroom going through the medicine cabinet. And then he darts up out the crib, runs down the stairs, goes out the house. 
The next morning, my mother wakes us up. She tells us what happened. She, you know, does the whole police thing. Not that they was going to do shit or find this motherfucker. Cool. I see the... The hurt, the confusion, the fear in my mother's face. I'm six or seven years old. And it bothers me. It bothers me bad. Within the next couple of days, my Uncle Paris comes over and he puts like some burglar bars on our back window, like our kitchen window, which is where the person came through. And I still, all I can think about, okay, yeah, these burglar bars up. That's cool. But I know my mom is shook. And that shit is bothering me. Again, I'm six or seven. All I can think of is I don't want my mom to be scared. Like, I don't want my mom to be scared. And my mom is one of the toughest people I like ever known in my life but this is one of the first times I've ever seen her scared in life and it's hitting me like damn I hate this nigga for doing this to my mother right some days pass and my mom's boyfriend at the time he comes over you know talking to her he talks to me all this shit just checking on, make sure we all right. I'm saying all the right. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm a kid. What else can I say? But in my heart of hearts, I'm like, I hate this motherfucker for making my mother feel this fear. My mom's the most, you know, fearless person I know. But for some reason, she ain't no more. He snatched that 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 spirit away from her of fearlessness right so I'm pissed I'm a young kid I'm pissed some time passes and one day I'm in my mother's room and this is the first time I'd ever seen a gun in my life going through my mother's drawers I ain't got no business going in there I don't know what the fuck I was looking for and I see a gun I see a 38 I know it's a 38 now then I just knew it was a damn gun and my mom's boyfriend, Kelly, had gave her that gun for situations like this, for situations like another person breaking in the crib. And I remember being a young kid and thinking, damn, I want to take this gun, find whoever did this and made my mom feel this way. And I want to shoot him and kill him. That's all I could think. And again, I'm six, seven years old. Some time passes. Come to find out the person who broke in our crib was Miss Audrey's son, George. And I remember being so pissed. Being pissed. And harboring this feeling of, if I ever see this motherfucker, I'm going to kill him. That's all I thought. If I ever see this nigga, I'm going to kill him. Years pass. Years pass. 
and I never got that off of me, right? Like I, that feeling was always there. And every time I would go like down through Moosewood, I would turn to the right and look toward where Miss Audrey's crib was just to see if I could see him outside. And I would never see him. Anytime I would go down the street called Beekman, I would think, is today the fucking day that I run across this dude? Because I'm going to kill him. I'm in high school. I'm a junior in high school. Riding with my boy Keys. My boy Keys. Shout out my boy Keys. Love you, boy. Me and Keys are riding down Beekman. He has a car. He has a uh, a gold Chevy Cavalier. We riding down Beekman. He lives in, my boy Keys lives in Northside, which is not too far from where uh, Moosewood is. We driving. I look and I thought I saw George. My heart started beating so fast. I ain't say shit. I ain't say shit to Keys. And I'm like, oh, nigga. In my mind, I'm thinking, there's a light coming up. If this light red and stop, I'm going to hop out. And I'm going to run down here. And I'm going to beat the dog shit out of this nigga till he dead. Light was green. We kept going. I'm pissed. The whole rest of the day, I'm pissed. I'm like, man, that was my opportunity. Then I got mad at myself like, nigga, I should have just said, hey, Keys, stop. Let me hop out. But I've never shared with anybody how I'm feeling. I've never shared with anybody what I'm harboring. I've never shared with anybody, hey, if I ever come across this nigga, I'm going to kill him. So I'm pissed at myself. Rest of the day, following days, I'm pissed. All I'm thinking to myself is, Mike, you a bitch. You a bitch. You talked all that shit to yourself when you see him, you're going to kill him. When you see him, it's that, it's this, it's all that, and you ain't do shit. That's all I'm telling myself. I'm really beating myself up about this shit, right? Eventually, I stopped. Some years pass. I'm in college. I come home one weekend. And I'm all over the city. I'm going, going a little bit of everywhere. I'm downtown Cincinnati near Fountain Square. And I see this dude who look homeless, like on some homeless dope fiend shit. And it kind of looks like George. But I'm like, eh, I don't know if that's him. So what better way? I'm going to ask. So I'm walking. I'm on Fountain Square, right across from the Western Hotel. And the dude's walking toward me. And I look and I ask him, I say, hey, my man. He said, what's up, man? I said, what's your name? Nigga, what? I said, what's your name, man? Fuck you want to know my name for? I said, hey, your name George? Fuck no, my name ain't George, man. I said, all right. Cool. Stood there for a minute He walked past I walked back like towards him I say my man Yeah what's up man 
Say, you sure your name ain't George? Nigga, no, my name ain't George. I look like my name George. Man, I ain't even from here. I said, where you from? I'm from Memphis. I said, all right, you got it. I left him alone, really looking like, okay, you add in the drug use and how much life done kicked your ass, you know, checking the features. Nah, that ain't him. I let it go. But it's still on my brain and it's still, you know, wearing on me. Years pass. I'm living in Tampa, Florida. I would come home and every time I would come home to Cincinnati, I would roll through the fair apartments just for that feeling to touch home again, to see where I'm from and, you know, have those memories. But I would always make a left down Fairday Hill just to go down that way and then ride past Moosewood just to see. I was still holding on to this shit. I moved to Houston, Texas in 2010, November 1st, 2010 to be exact. First time I came back after moving was for my mother's funeral. That was the first time, you know, coming back to visit, right, after moving. And it wasn't really on my mind, but it crossed my mind for a brief second while I was there. Thinking about my mother, thinking about just her life and, and everything she's gone through and all of that shit but the one thing was I never forgot how she looked and how she felt after that nigga broke into the crib and I knew it wasn't gone yet like it hadn't left me so excuse me after that I came back to Houston Stayed in Houston for a while before I ever came back home to Cincinnati to visit. And I remember the first time I came back home to visit and my mother wasn't there. I drove to her crib and sat outside and wanted to go inside, but I couldn't because she wasn't there. And how emotional I got and how angry I got. And I remember sitting in that rental car and it was raining bad as shit. I'm sitting in uh, sitting in the rental car outside my mom's crib. And I mean, I'm boohoo crying. Like that ugly cry. That shit, right? And I remember I start punching the shit out of the steering wheel. Screaming at the top of my lungs. Fuck! Fuck! I'm screaming fuck at the top of my lungs. And I mean, nigga, I'm beating the motherfucking shit out of this steering wheel. And once I got done beating the shit out the steering wheel, I was so angry. I was so mad. I was just mad at life. And I remember grabbing the steering wheel at 10 and 2 and trying to pull that bitch off. I'm shaking. I'm like fucking Ultimate Warrior. When he would come in the ring, grab the ropes and shake them shits. That's what I was doing. I was so fucking angry. And I'm not a mad person. I'm not an angry person. But that was the first time in my life I had experienced like un like unbearable anger, like 
out of control anger. And right after that, it instantly popped into my head. The whole situation and this mother, this like nigga making my mother scared. I pulled out of my mom's um, parking spot in front of her crib. And I remember driving down Redding Road fast as shit. And it's raining, raining. And I remember going to see one of my boys who, of course, I won't fucking say in this. Seeing one of my boys. Going to see him on purpose. Walked in the crib. He looked at me like, nigga, what's up with you? Nothing, nigga. Hey. You got a strap? What? That's what he says to me. What? Nigga, do you have a strap or not? Now, I know he has a gun. I know he has a few guns. Nigga, what? Man, let me hold a strap. Hey, Mike, you tripping, nigga. What's up? Holler at me. What's up? Man, fuck all that. Just give me the strap. Nigga, what? I said, nigga, you gonna let me hold the strap or not? No, I'm not. All right, fuck it, I'm out. I go to walk out this nigga crib. That nigga grabbed me. I had a hoodie on. I had a red KSI hoodie on. Cap Alpha Psi hoodie. That nigga grabbed my shoulder. And like yanked my sweatshirt. He was like, nigga, what are you doing? What are you talking about? I said, hey, get off of me, man. He like, what? So I like yanked away from him. I was like, nigga, get the fuck off me. He walks outside. He said, Mike, what are you doing? I said, nigga, don't worry about what the fuck I'm doing. You ain't want to let me hold the strap. It's good. I'm out. Get in the rental car. I'm gone. I go straight to fucking Moosewood. I park, I get out, it's raining, raining, raining. I get out. Now, if this was back in the day, shit would have been cool. These young Thundercats don't know me. I ain't never been to Moosewood as an adult. Thank God ain't nobody really outside because it's raining. I hop out and I'm just staring. I'm just staring at the old spot where Miss Audrey's place was. And in my mind, all I'm thinking is, I hope this nigga walk out. I hope this nigga walk out here. Please let this nigga walk out here. I stood in the rain for about an hour, drenched, just looking. I hope this motherfucker come out. God, please let this nigga George walk out of here. Old or not, let this nigga walk out of here. I'm a strangling. I'm just gonna choke him and hope he die. That's all I'm thinking. That nigga never came out. I got in the car, went back to my hotel, got in the shower, sat on the foot of my bed, just stand, just sitting there, like no TV is on or anything. I'm just sitting there. And all I can think is, if I ever see this nigga, I'm gonna kill this nigga. Didn't see that nigga. 
Following that, every time I would go home to visit Cincinnati, whenever I would drive through the Fay, I would always go down Fairday Hill instead of going the other way, just so I can go through, go down to Moosewood and see if he was there. That's all I wanted to see, if he was there. I held on to this shit for up at least until last year. That's all I would think about if I ever seen I'm going to kill this nigga. One day, me and my brother Mac, we're talking. And he brought up some shit. I won't go into detail, but he brought up some shit and we're talking and talking and we on some get yourself better type shit. Like, you know, get your soul right, get your spirit right, get your life right type shit, right? That's my brother. That's what we supposed to talk about. That's what we supposed to be on. And he brought up to me about letting shit go from my past and moving forward. And for some reason that day, that's when it clicked. That was one thing I've been holding on forever. The anger for this nigga. Just angry. Angry to the point that I really like wanted to take this dude's life. And again, I'm the type of person, I don't want you to do anything or harm anybody I love. Please don't. Please don't. And for all them years, I couldn't let that shit go. I couldn't. Until that day, me and Mac were talking. And he focused on me moving forward, letting, you know, certain shit go. And he was right. Like, holding on to old shit, that shit will weigh you the fuck down. And so I did. I had to. I had to. And there's, like, just something that I had to deal with in order to let that shit go. And be like, you know what? Move the fuck on, man. I never want to be to a place where I feel like I want to kill some fucking body. I mean, I've been there before outside of this situation. Um, and I, I say that for another day. I say that for another day. But Mac, I want to say thank you for helping me. And I ain't even tell you that's something I was holding on to. So I want to say thank you. And to George, if you're living, you know, if you're dead, um, you know, if you're not doing well, whatever the case may be, I've moved on and I've let it go. But it's still fuck you pussy.